Good morning again. Uh, if I'm a bit loud, can someone just run to the back that knows what I'm doing and just pull the fader down, please? So, we're in week two of our series that we're looking at. That looking at the five basic doctrines. Last week we looked at the fact that God is three in one. He's the fa- Father, Son, Spirit. And this week we're looking that Jesus is fully God. Four weeks ago today we were gathering for the carol service. Can you believe it's less than four weeks since Christmas? Crazy, isn't it? Of course, at Christmas, remember that God became man in the form of Jesus and born as a baby by woman. And we say, don't we, that Jesus is fully man. So what is he? Is he fully man or is he fully God? In preparing this today, I came across an article written by a Christian who is also a self-confessed science fiction geek. And looking at this, he was trying to be helpful by comparing Jesus to Superman. On the basis that Jesus, that sorry, Superman was sent from his home planet to Krypton to a farm, growing up amongst humans while discovering he had special powers. Now, while his intentions may have been good, and yes, you can make some parallels, Superman was an alien who grew up on Earth. He wasn't a man, and Jesus wasn't an alien. The truth is, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, and will be for all eternity. So let's start this morning by looking at the two natures of Jesus in more detail. Because Jesus is God in human flesh, He's not half God and half man. He's fully God and fully man. At the incarnation when he was born on earth, he added to his divine nature the nature of man. And so he's got two, a divine nature and a human nature, God and man at the same time. He's not man who had God with him. He's not man who manifested God in principle. He is God. As we heard last week, He's the second person of the Trinity. The first part of Hebrews 1 uh, verse 3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The two natures, human and divine, aren't mixed together. They're not combined into some kind of God-man hybrid. They're separate, but they act as a unit. And it's called the hypostatic union. Hypostatic union. Two natures, but not two people. Jesus is one and complete. Jonathan Edwards said, in him we find an admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies. And it's a mystery. Something else that we have to accept by faith. But we need to understand it, otherwise we run the risk believe in a false gospel so let's have a look at these two natures in action they're going to pop up on the screen first of all jesus as man he prayed to the father and he worshiped the father he was called man he was called son of man he was tempted 
He grew in wisdom. He has a body of flesh and bone. And he died. Now let's look at the next slide, which is comparing that to Jesus as God. So as God, he is prayed to and he is worshipped. He was called God. He was called the Son of God. He's sinless. He knew all things. The fullness of deity dwells in the fullness of God dwells in him and he gives eternal life and one of the most common errors that other religions or cults make is not understanding those two natures some focus on Jesus's humanity and ignore the divine others focus on the divine and ignore that Jesus was human and we need to be mindful of something called functional Christianity the idea that Jesus functioned as God among people being perfect revealer of God's character and will and his deputy or representative amongst people. He wasn't. He was fully God and fully man. So for a proper understanding of Jesus and his two natures, where do we turn to? We turn to the Bible. And there's a few verses I'm going to uh, quote this morning. So you might be jumping around or scrolling around if you're on your electronic devices. The Bible is all about Jesus. John 5.39 says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. We read in the Bible that the prophets prophesied about him. The Father bore witness of him. The Holy Spirit bore witness of him. The works Jesus did bore witness of him. The multitudes bore witness of him. And Jesus bore witness of himself. And in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ. And right now, we know that there's a man in heaven, sat at the throne of God, who's our advocate with the Father. He's our Savior, and he is our Lord. John 1, verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. Son has made him known. The Son is Jesus and Jesus is God. So, it would seem that there's plenty of things in the Bible that point us towards that Jesus is fully God. But why are we looking at that? Why does it matter? After all, Jesus was a good man, but the life he lived is a good example to follow. But, what if that's all? What if Jesus was just a good man? Well, first of all, if we deny that Jesus is God, we therefore have to also deny the Trinity. We heard last week, didn't we, that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. If Jesus isn't the Son of God, the Trinity breaks down. Secondly, a person who denies Jesus Christ shouldn't worship him. Because worship belongs to God. It's the first of the Ten Commandments. So if you don't see Jesus as God, the best he is is a prophet or a saint. And we can't worship him. Thirdly, if you deny Jesus is God, you have to come up with some explanation as to why the early Christians treated him as God. See, because we have to remember to the early church... Jesus wasn't an ancient person in history. 
It wasn't just his example that they had to follow in character. Although he was dead, they remembered him. Although, sorry, not dead, although he'd left, he, they remembered him. He wasn't just a set of ideas. He wasn't a creed. He wasn't some theory. He was a person. He'd been seen. He'd been spoken to. People had had physical contact. Jesus to them was real, a person. Sometimes to us we can lose that a little bit. And sometimes out in the world, people perhaps see Jesus as a myth, don't they? And what he did. And we need to be careful that we see Jesus as the person that he was, he still is, and that he is to come. See, the anti-Christian orator, Celsus, ridiculed second century Christians in the Roman Empire for worshipping a man as God. And some scholars have tried to explain it, but others have pointed out how difficult it would have been to make a mere man and elevate him to divine status so quickly and across so many cultures. Fourthly, if you deny that Jesus is God, how do you explain the resurrection or deny it? Theologian Wolfhard Pannenberg said, the resurrection was God's confirmation of the claims of Jesus Christ, which amounted to deity. That is the ability to forgive sins, not on someone else's behalf, but in his own authority. If we deny the resurrection, Jesus is still dead or he's a ghost. You know, as Christians almost, and, and in history, no one denies that the, re the resurrection and the evidence of the empty tomb was the cause of, of the rise of Christianity amongst the disciples, not just the, the 11 and 12, but the first generation of Christians. And if the empty tomb was myth or legend, why did it ground such credence and, and, and why did it carry such authority? Why did it grow as quickly as it did? Fifthly, we have to consider C.S. Lewis lie a lunatic or son of God argument in mere Christianity. Because Jesus claimed to be the presence of the kingdom of God amongst people. He claimed to have God's own authority to forgive sins. He claimed to be one with the Father. As well as distinct from him, he was one with him. And when he was charged, he didn't deny that, he made him so, that, that made him equal with God. And if he wasn't God, he was a blasphemer. Or he was crazy. Sixthly, a person who denies the deity of Jesus will have to explain why other men and other women haven't surpassed Jesus in terms of whatever Jesus was in the 2,000 years since. If Jesus was just a man, a good man, even the greatest prophet up until his time, then why haven't there been any prophets like that since? It's because he was God. And finally, a person who denies that Jesus is God has to redefine salvation away from any recognisable orthodox Christian notion towards Pelagianism, for example. You can tell I've been studying this week, can't you? That's Pelagianism is a false teaching which says that Adam only hurt himself when he fell. 
that a person's free will is totally capable of choosing God and doing good without the aid of divine intervention. It teaches that man's nature is basically good. And if Jesus was only a man, then at best we've said he could, the best he could have been is a prophet, a revealer of God's will, an example to follow. But Pelagianism is a false teaching. When Adam fell, he took mankind for eternity with him. And because of that, we need a mediator. We need a reconciler. And 2 Peter 1 verses 3 and 4 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So if we take away the fact that Jesus is divine from the gospel, what's our hope of salvation? John 1, verses 1 to 4. I'm sure most of you know it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jumping down to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So if we remove the Word... If we remove Jesus, who was in the beginning with God, and who was God, what are we left with? We're left with a leader, the person we follow, being nothing more than some sort of pseudo-enlightened example for us. And someone who was confused about his own makeup and purpose. Without him... It's been said our gospel is something less substantial than a dream. And if he wasn't God, he was the worst kind of imposter. Of course, some people hear all that and still say, no. And if you can respond to all those seven points, then they have to ask, why do you still call yourself a Christian? Because we talk, don't we, about becoming a Christian, we often ask people, if, do you believe in Jesus Christ, as, as in Acts 16.31? And if people say, yes, we believe in Jesus Christ, they're included. And as a starting point, that's great. But you see, when, even when Jesus walked on the earth, when the people met him, when people shook his hand, when they believed it was, he was there because they could see him, some people didn't recognize who he was. And he asked in Matthew directly of the disciples, who do people say that I am? So, this morning, I'm going to read a couple of passages from the Bible which highlight how people who heard Jesus in person failed to understand who he truly was. Turn with me, if you've got your Bible, to John chapter 8. And we go from uh, verse 25. <coughs> he, 
Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They didn't understand what he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I owe nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me, because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the work of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I am telling the truth. Why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honour my Father, and you dishonour me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. 
If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. The people were there, they were with Jesus. They didn't get it. They didn't see that he was fully God. Carrying on in the book of John, down to chapter 10, and verse 22. Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus, who was in the temple area, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are God's? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said, I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. Again they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to a place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed the sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. In that place, many believed in Jesus. And can I ask this morning, in this place, do many believe in Jesus? Do we believe that Jesus is fully God? Do we see at work? The people around him saw him at work in their lives, yet didn't grasp that he was more than a prophet. He was more than just a good man. He was God amongst them. Because if back then people didn't get it, is it any wonder today that people doubt or misunderstand who Jesus is? We've seen reference in the Bible to the fact that Jesus is fully God. We've considered the impact for us as believers if he isn't. And we said at the start that ultimately it's something that we have to accept by faith. 
And the starting point for us is, yes, we believe in Jesus Christ. But as we grow as Christians, as we mature, perhaps we should be asking, do we believe that Jesus Christ is God and Saviour? Because he was either God or he was the ultimate con artist. Because he fooled so many of them when he was here. And has fooled many people for over 2,000 years. And if he wasn't a con artist, he was crazy. Saying things which carried the charge of blasphemy, which he risked being stoned for. You would have thought from those passages we read, how he managed to escape them from the stoning. You would have thought there's something special about this man, if nothing else. So this morning, we are all sons of God. But Jesus, and only Jesus, is God the Son. We just need to, this part of doing this series is to just get us to think, and from what I said today, please look at some of those verses, take them away, look at them again, come back and ask me questions, challenge them. This is about what we're doing in this few weeks, is just looking at what the basics are of our faith, because sometimes we can jump in and we don't really understand. So that's what we're doing. Guys, band, if we can come back up, we're going to sing our, our final song together. If you can make it back this evening for our uh, Ask, Seek and Knock, where we're going to seek God prophetically and in prayer, that would be great. Uh, and uh, yes, if we can't, then we'll hopefully see you back here next week. <laughs>